I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're gay. And his NB. Episode number 65. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB, where we talk about everything that we are watching on television this week. Um, we are so excited to be presenting you another episode. Before we get into everything that we have to say, a few housekeeping notes that we always do to get out of the way first. Uh, first, be sure to leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to us, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, across the podcast platforms. Uh, it's so incredibly helpful to us whenever you do that because it helps us get into the algorithm, helps us get seen by more and more people, and it also gives us uh, much necessary feedback uh, in terms of everything that we uh, want to present to you guys. So yeah, so if you can take that time right now and leave that rating in the review, it'll be very much appreciated. Uh, you can also follow us on social media over at Again is MB on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, where we're posting new content every day, including clips from the podcast, as well as some of our instant thoughts on things that we're watching. Um, that We were posting a lot of great stuff this week as well. So um, it's a great time that more than ever, if you ju- love what you're hearing on the podcast, to also go follow us across social media. Media at again is NB. Uh, you can also get merchandise from us over at again is NB.threadless.com. There you can get a uh uh, different designs that we have on a variety of different items, including t-shirts and mugs and stickers and a variety of different things. Merlin's put the designs together and they are amazing. Uh, so be sure to pick something up there over at again is nb.threadless.com. And finally, if you have any questions for us, you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, you can submit that across our social media platforms or at again is nb at gmail.com. Um, if you have anything that you would like us to answer on a future episode of podcast, send that in. Um, we would love to do that at some point in time. So be sure to get your questions in. Um, so that's the housekeeping out of the way first. Uh, babe, what are we talking about on this episode? We're switching things up a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Because of uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, there were some things that didn't come on last week. So, uh, well, and then we also had the ending of uh, Big Brother UK. So we're down two shows. We're mm-hmm. down to only five to review right now. So uh, we invited um, Real Housewives of Potomac over to this first episode of the week uh, to give us a, a Sunday night Bravo like extravaganza here on this first episode for the week. Uh, so we're going to talk about um, Married to Medicine, where Sweet Tea becomes Married to Medicine, She's my love. Married tea. <laughs> She's married T at this point. Um, but before we get to the, that, as I mentioned a second ago, let's talk about Real Housewives of Potomac. Real Housewives of Potomac for this week. I also kind of, I mean, both the fact that these two shows aired on the same day, but also the fact that um, I think it provides a great contrast because I've been loving the Mary, Mary to Medicine as of late. It's been, I think, one of the top shows right now on Bravo. And this episode of Potomac was not great. It was... <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I feel like it's crazy to, th- to talk about a Potomac episode that didn't hit. Like, I don't think it was that bad, but I, I don't think it was great. I think it's... Uh, here's the thing. Were there moments? Yes. I think Karen, we'll get to it, like, carried this episode on her back. Like, yeah. like it, if it wasn't for Karen, this episode would have been, like, utterly terrible. Like, yeah. But I feel like... Huh. There's a lot of structural problems with this show right now that I think huh. are coming to the surface. Huh. That that's interesting. That there's continually problems on the like there was this problem last season with like weird editing and things like that. And then <laughs> I seem to remember there being a problem on 
Atlanta this past season. It after is being very weird similar. Edison. You know, it's almost like they were to produce by the same. Co- oh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking truly original strikes again. I really think so. Like, I they need to scrap truly. And it's not just the the editing of the show. I think you know, it's it, clear favoritism. It's like, and it's also like not sitting down with this cast at a certain point and being like, look, like Karen, Karen tries her damnedest this episode to be like, guys, we need to still be an ensemble cast if we're looking to like have a show and like sort of maintain things. And, but no, no, I feel like I genuinely feel like no one on production has been like, Hey Giselle, um, you have to like look at people that you don't like. Yeah. And like it, it becomes an issue at a certain point. Yeah, it really does. And then, and that's that's just touching on like the structural stuff. Like we'll get to it, you know, throughout this episode of some of the wonky the, editing. Well, the wonk. I was gonna say wonky editing, but also like the big story point of this episode, which a lot of people have been having issue with in the build up, and it didn't. Yeah. It didn't assuage any of those issues because it's not great in terms yeah. of content. Um, speaking of the source of that. So we start the episode and NECA is picking up Ike from the airport because Ike does travel medicine. He's basically out of town like like twice a month uh, for like a week's period. So like that's part of it. And she talks about how like she's trying to like test you – know, she's keeping track of her ovulation to like time it correctly because they want to have a baby and stuff like that. Fine enough. Um, I'm just gonna say it. I, I'm I I don't think Neck is working on this show whatsoever. But not just from what we'll get to later. But like, I find her scenes. I don't like. I've told you that I find her scenes so stunted. Like yeah. she she talks. She talks like she's reading a script. Yeah. She really kind of does. And maybe that's just like. And who knows? It could be first season jitters. It could be your personality. Whatever. But it just it. It just feels like they're working through a scene, particularly the scenes with her and Ike. Like, yeah, I don't feel like a natural chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. And we'll sort of hit on it later. I think in next week where like, you know, it, it the way they fight is also very weird and how short tempered they are. It's very, it's very wooden. Yeah. Like there's no life there. And it, but also if there was like, I I need to know that you guys love each other and like, I don't really get that vibe. Yeah. That should be your focus when you first come on a show as a couple, like show us your, your marriage. Right. Don't come on and immediately start attacking one of the housewives. Sure. Like, there's that. <laughs> um, but Karen calls her while they're in the car to invite her to pickleball. Cause she's getting everyone together for the pickleball thing that she was organizing last uh, episode we'll get to the pickleball i <laughs> i both thought it was the better use of pickleball on bravo and also the worst i'm conflicted but we also finally found out after the last like what two years of continual pickleball mentioning that pickleball is just tennis oh well i always knew that i had no clue what pickleball was they've done some scenes where they've actually played it have they yeah i've not seen them it's basically ten- it's it's tennis with like it's like halfway between tennis and like ping pong 
It's like if tennis was worse. <laughs> it just really is if tennis was worse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Karen Eric Confessional. Listen, somebody has to bring this group back together. Candace and Ashley need healing. Candace and Giselle need healing. For me, it's me and Robin. And Juan, you know, is the Don Juan right now wandering all over the city. We a mess. <laughs> it was great. Not wandering all over the city. Like I said, Karen was bringing the funny yeah. throughout and, and you know, carrying the loud. So then NECA, after she gets off the phone with Karen, tells uh, Ike, like, so, like, Karen said, like, all the ladies, right? So, like, that also means Wendy. And then, so she retells the story from last episode um, with the whole, her mother, or Wendy's mother going after her sister-in-law. I don't even, like, it's so, it's so bungled at this point too by the way like what I, i'm still not quite sure what the timeline is here she said okay so she says that this was two weeks before ashley's event at her house but here's my question that was the the lunch that ashley and and neca had where ashley misremembered neca saying the osu stuff quote unquote that would have been in between then right right it had to like it wasn't that like extendedly you know long ago. My that's my frustration with the NECA part, which is like she does she uh, doesn't operate in that Ashley lunch at least from what we've seen as if this stuff with her mom with Wendy's mom has already happened, right? And it just kind of seemingly gets brought up. So like, what the fuck? Like, well, and she doesn't act like that at the luncheon either. Yeah. And, and well, and, and but but then Wendy gets critiqued for acting as if she didn't know Neca. But it's like again, Neca's acting as if she didn't know Wendy. So like, what the? F- but then in confessionals, we have Wendy or not Wendy? Neca basically pulling out the the whiteboard with the 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 conspiracy theory board with all the string attachments. Like this is how I know Wendy and blah 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 blah. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. And we also see her FaceTiming. It was her cousin, by the way, that had the phone conversation with her mom. Like, she, we see her like FaceTiming her cousin to basically like, hey, say. It was essentially to her be like, hey, say the story on camera. But like, then how is the? Like, but again, was that before the Wendy? <sighs> None of this timeline stuff makes sense in terms of like Neca's. And and to me, like that clouds Neca's intention. Yeah. With any of this. I can't believe there was like a positive intention of what Neck is doing here when there's times you're talking about it and there's times you're not. And then there's certain people you're bringing it up with and there's certain people you're not. It's just, yeah. I but it's know. just like, why? Like, also, when that, even if you're going to act like the conversation about Wendy potentially being Osu didn't happen right. yet, right? Fine, whatever, but you're still acting as if the phone call from her mother didn't happen, and all of this that's my if it all was of so- this bullshit didn't happen, like you're acting to Wendy's face like none of this happened, and why would you, like that's my thing it's like if it was so intimidating to you, also, right? why didn't it come up at lunch with Ashley that well, that's what I'm saying like. It should have the, the that is the biggest plot hole that it didn't come up there, but now it's suddenly being brought up. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't. It it just reeks of bullshit to me. Yeah, um, and Neck is like you know I don't know why she wouldn't want me like interacting with like people in this group, and Ike's like maybe she sees you as a Nigerian trying to like take someone's spot. It's like it just feels like again 
it feels like they've been giving their like talking points and like it, it, that's how it comes across to me in this scene. It doesn't feel lived. It also very much um like I I know that there was some stuff in Wendy's first season that was really kind of focused on her heritage. Right. And all of that, but it really hasn't come up the last couple seasons. Well, it hasn't come up on the show. I will say people were noting like the whole like Osu, like sort of like Wendy's connection of like possibly being Osu in like blogs and stuff like that had been brought up since she got on the show. Like there were blogs posting stuff about that. But the fact that, again, the fact that it's only being brought up now. Right. So like, why would it matter? But, but that's irrelevant. That's not, that is not central to the claim that Ike is making in this moment, right. which is that Wendy is jealous that another Nigerian woman, that another Igbo woman is coming on the show. It's like, okay, well, but that's not been central to her story. So why would that take over, take focus away from, from Wendy? I guess. Like it is part of who Wendy is. Yes, of course. But like, it's not something that like, is constantly being highlighted. Right. And I, and I, my conclusion at the end of this was also just the fact of like, if it was that Wendy was like, Oh, you're clout chasing and you're thirsty or whatever. You're kind of proving her point. Like, yep. like, you know what I mean? Like the way she operates, especially when we get to the pickleball event, like, um, and then she goes again, like, so like Karen said all the ladies and their husbands, right. I'm like, you just said that. Like, you just asked that question, Ike, whatever. And then she's like, so that means like, your old college pal, Eddie. And then I goes, you know, the one that disowned me. And then, so now we find out that according to NECA, not only does she know Wendy, but not know Wendy, but whatever. But now Ike also knows Eddie because they both went to university of Maryland together. Never mind that they were four years apart. Yeah. Eddie would have been a senior when Ike was a freshman. Right. So they, probably wouldn't have interacted but here's the thing she said i was because i was so confused when we get to the end I, but watching back this scene like after the episode was done i watched it back she goes they were in the african student association meetings they know each other she explicitly says they know each other but again when we'll get to it i don't think they know each other and then, so there's this whole debate now because then NECA is basically like, so after the Shrine call happened, Eddie basically unfriended Ike on Facebook. And so that is sort of like proof to me that this thing is real because like, here's my proof because Eddie unfriended Ike on, on Facebook. One, why did Ike know that Eddie unfriended him on Facebook? Like, again, how is he like stalking? Like, and, and the other confusing thing, we, we posted a TikTok about this. The other confusing thing is that they show a graphic of Eddie uh, with Ike as a friend, quote unquote, on Facebook, and then him being unfriended. Well, and I also will point out that they, they actually don't show that. What they show is a picture of Eddie's profile where it says friends. It does not say anything on that screenshot. That this is from Ike's account. Well, that, but that's the other confusing thing. And there's also a dispute because when they show the friend one, it says underneath like 139 mutual friends or whatever. Right. But then when they show the one of him unfriended, it doesn't show that. So it makes – there was a Twitter user that is like, is this from like two different accounts? Right. Because why would it be different? And also but, – but going back to it, why would you even have a screenshot of you being friends with Eddie? Right. If it he seems, unfriended you. 
it seems more like if you've got a screenshot legitimately from the same account of you being friends and then you not being friends. Yeah. It seems much more likely that you went onto the the account when you were friends, took a screenshot, unfriended him, right. and then took another screenshot. That's the only thing that makes sense. Because why would you know to take a picture before he randomly unfriends you? Right. Right? Yeah, it, it makes no sense. It, it just, makes no sense. And then Nekadar Confessional goes, it sounds like Wendy wears the skirt and the pants in the house. Too much shade? Is that mean? Like... And it just, it was so forced. But also, like, I love the critique of her being like, well, Wendy, like, bosses Eddie around. Like, she says that later, too, as well. And it's like, literally, we've seen, we're at least seeing the preview for next week, and we've seen throughout your time, short time on the show, multiple scenes where you're just chastising your husband and telling him to shut up. Ooh. So, what are you arguing with? Doesn't make any sense. No um, sense. We go to oh god. So then we go to it was just back to back scenes of crap. I think that's why I hated this episode. Yeah. I realized uh-huh. um, because I, like it was like <laughs> the pickleball thing took up like the whole second half, and then it's just these scenes of the of things that I just did not care for. Which is that Robin and Giselle then go out for lunch. Um, Giselle uh, at one point asked if Juan's coming to the pickleball thing, and and Juan's like, yeah, you know. He'll or, or Robin's like, yeah, he'll be there. And Giselle's like, you know, of course, you all the ladies, they'll have their opinion as they should. And Robin goes, I mean, as they should know, you know, we don't care about their opinion. Oh, we get it, Robin. We get it. Like, we we get it. You don't care. It's in your tagline. It's the thing you're going to say over and over. I'm so fed up with it. Like, like uh, why, why do people think that not caring is a defense? It, like literally, that's the problem, Robin. The problem is that you don't care. The, the problem, problem, the problem is, is that you seem to show up to work checked out. Yeah, and so therefore, and but, therefore, if you don't care, then I certainly don't give a fuck. Yeah, but and then Robin says, if they want to keep talking about Juan, 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 you know, I'm not going to stop them. Cut to later at the pickleball thing where she literally stops the conversation about the the modest the modest of conversations about Juan. Well, and Juan also storms away from the conversation to avoid dealing with it. I don't think she knows what words mean at this point. Like, I genuinely don't. Um, And then Robin's like, yeah, I know that, you know, you and and Juan talked. You know, I couldn't really hear what you had said. (laughs) She says, I couldn't have heard what you had said. And Giselle lays out that they did a podcast taping in Atlanta. And Juan came and they had a conversation afterwards because Giselle wanted to make things right or, you know, settle things. Um, Giselle tells Robin, he kind of came for me. And Robin goes, you said like what? That he like yelled at you? Giselle goes, yeah, because you had said that Giselle doesn't believe anything that you've told me. So like, and, and Giselle basically lays out essentially what that Juan had basically said, like, you know, was so defense. She said something about like, he's a set. He said like, oh, I'm a sexual guy like anybody else, which that's not a defense. Like what? If anything, it makes me seem it makes me believe the claims that you've been fucking all these women. Yeah. He goes, she goes, he said, I did not, I did not, I did not Giselle. I did not have sex with her. And I'm like, okay, you said it about four times. One time is enough. Like, honestly, but that sounds just like Juan. Like, I mean, I believe you less with every time you say it. Yeah. But like Giselle being like, yeah, he kind of like yelled at me and Robin goes like, so like, like his hearing is like really bad. What <laughs> from coaching? Because like he like yells so much. I'm sorry. Like what? 
Robin, you know that you filmed like multiple scenes with him already this season, right? Where he clearly and 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 also in the scenes he's like, yeah, you know, no, it's it, uh, like he doesn't yell, like his normal voice is not yelling. I I just. I'm tired. <laughs> it really, but it's like, it's so sad. I mean, I don't feel bad for Robin, but it's like, it's sad. Like you, that she's just willing to just fall on the sword for this guy. And then she says to her confessional, girl, stop. Juan was not yelling at you. He said like, I didn't stick my thing in her. Like, like something like that. But you just said you didn't hear the conversation. You literally explicitly said, I didn't hear what you said. You're fed up. Like I, I get, I get. Like it's just, just I, I, it's exhausting. I, I, I just. It's so monotonous, and, and that's why I think again it goes back to why this season is having so much issues. I feel like when Robin, when the Robin thing is so center, and it's not. It would be one thing if like we finally got like Candace confronting her and being like, "You fucking hit shit," and you, you know, um, uh put the attention off of you and use the shit with Chris that Giselle was bringing out to like fucking move the attention. It would be one thing if, if Candace was doing that, it would be one thing if Karen was fucking confronting her directly, but no Robin, she doesn't really get confronted on anything, but then plays the victim as if she is right. And then like, it's just like whiny and bitchy and I'm just tired of it. Like, well, and production's letting her do it, right? right? Because they're, they are, Still filming this as if that's it. because with anybody else, there would have been lower thirds, right? There would have been shady lower thirds. There would have been edits proving her wrong. There would have been all of this stuff. Yeah. And there's like a couple here and there, but it's more just but a, not that shade on her really. Right. But to me, like the whole point of having Robin back uh, to me, having Robin back was a mistake. In right. retrospect now, now, it was a complete mistake. If they would have actually had that more confrontational attitude going into this season where they were laying into her for her shit, then I think it would have been better. Like, well, but, but this is not working. It, it's not working. And number two, it's also like laying the groundwork of you can steal money from Bravo and still be keeping your job. And it's not getting punished for it. Like, like she's not even demoted. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? She needs to be gone next season. I gen, if this keeps up in the way it's keeping up, which it seems likely, she needs to be gone next season. There's no value in her being on this show. None. She's I don't not s- adding anything. No, not at all. And in fact, she's taking away from everything else. Like with Giselle, G- Giselle, I can be like, okay, she adds certain things. I can right. say t- like tangible qualities in which she adds at, at, when she's at her best. Robin, what is she adding? Robin honestly should have been a friend of for the last like three seasons. Yeah, it's it's real bad. Um, but then Robin then goes, so um, like I probably shouldn't be telling you this, and Giselle goes, good, tell me, because <laughs> of course. And then Robin basically tells Giselle what Neca told her about what the whole Wendy stuff and like the shrine and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and of course Giselle's fucking eating it up. She's the, she's known Neca for like two fucking seconds and then like immediately believes her because it's against Wendy. It's right. so like like there's no like there's no evidence and they're just clearly like yes, this is definitely what happened. Uh Giselle goes, 
so she's a voodoo hexer. I mean, I hope it's not true, but like it's beyond fucked up. It's like evil, and they do like the lightning striking and like the yeah. cr- crazy graphics. It we'll get to it at the end, and I know you're gonna have tons of opinions about this. Tons of, of opinions for obvious reasons, but like it's it's and for not obvious reasons. I have other opinions as well. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but like the, there's no de- there's no deft hand that's being applied to right. this when it's a very ser- serious fucking topic. Uh, um, the, w- one of the few scenes I sort of liked. We go to Candace's house, uh, and she's there with uh, Mama Dorothy. And I, I will say, I actually like that they're calmer with each other now. Like they seem to have a better dynamic. Like Candace says, like with my music career and stuff like that, it feels like she sees me more in a respectful manner. Like that I'm doing shit and like you know making something of myself. And it just seemed like Dorothy's. See, I I feel I also feel like Dorothy's gotten like work done because they showed like flashbacks from like their when they used to fight. It's like she doesn't look the same. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like she, she just seems lighter and like sort of like because Dorothy used to be a mess. Yeah. Well, I also think that maybe Dorothy is like accepting the success of the show and accepting the success of Candace both on the show and as a musician. Right. Like Candace is saying. And so she's less overbearing because she feels like she can take a step back and relax. Yeah. I can see that. But she's so, so Candace is talking about how stressful like the touring stuff is and how she doesn't want to, she can't like pour in the same amount of money that she did for the, right. the first tour, which was just about like getting exposed and stuff like that. Um, she's like, yeah, Chris was like screaming at me with like how much money that we're spending. And so of course Dorothy asks like, so what's like Chris doing? She, again, it's like, I mean, he's still doing like virtual classes and like private chef events. And Dorothy goes, so he's making money with that? Bitch. <laughs> Candace goes, no, mom, he's not making anything <laughs> like being incredulous. And Dorothy's like, I'm not trying to be shady. I'm just <laughs> lies. Liza Benelli lies. Yeah. Candace kind of lays out how like their schedules have been flipped now. And because Candace was used to be really upset last season about like his work schedule right. and not having the sort of like time together, especially when they were trying to have kids and stuff like that. But now things are kind of in reverse. And like he, uh, yeah, I love that she's like, yeah, he basically quit the restaurant because like happy wife, happy life. Like, <laughs> but like you know, I yeah, I I actually think their marriage is probably healthier than they give it credit. I I really hope that all the bullshit from last season yeah. didn't cause him to lose that job. At the I don't think so. Now, now that I think of like I I I hope it was that choice the to scale back or whatever, but. I'm. I would be so pissed if I found out that it had anything to do with the fucking bullshit from uh, Giselle. Yeah, and, and if that, I mean, Candace already doesn't fuck with her, but I would definitely at that point not fuck with her. Uh, she would launch herself across the next time that she saw Giselle and like claw her face off. Yeah, and um, I'd be here for it. Dorothy asks about like how are you and Robin and Candace like you. Know, I just I don't know how I feel. She sat, you know, being my, you know, having my back. And then she sat by her friend Giselle telling all these lies. She went from this is not who you are, Chris, to then humping the fence. And it's like, what is this about people humping fences this season? Like, I don't, it, it doesn't seem comfortable. Get off that fence. No. Get, get off of Karen. <laughs> well, I mean, Karen you, is the fence. Stop humping the fence. I was going to say, well, you could maybe stay on the fence, but like, why you got to hump it? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, this is not. 
Just find a comfortable seat on the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, Candace is basically like, I don't believe her stories. You know, I believe that she was covering for Juan at the end of the day. And Dorothy's like, well, I mean, you can just have a conversation about it. You know, that's what adults do. And Candace goes, well, adults don't lie. And Dorothy goes, yes, they do. <laughs> it's like, I, she got her there. I was like, yeah, adults lie all the time. <laughs> well, but I think what Candace is getting at is that, like, with a certain level of maturity and owning your shit, you you stop the need to tell lies. Right. That's true. Like, I, yeah, she doesn't live in her truth by any means. It's just, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, we go then to, so Karen and Ray and Karen's assistant is getting set up for their pickleball event. I, also, at, they're at, I guess there's an, I didn't know there were pickleball specific courts. Like places that like there were just for pickleball. I guess. And it's did you notice that it's called Dill Dinkers? Oh, <laughs> I, I here's the thing. As someone who hates pickles, I hated this episode in the amount of pickle imagery here. But I did appreciate Karen being like, Oh, so we're going to pickleball? I'm just gonna make everything pickle themed? Like she had like giant jars of pickles and like They they realized that pickleball is not named after pickles i don't know if she realizes that and also and so her and ray are also both dressed in green so they're calling themselves mr and mrs pickle and like it they, like karen is trying to make this fun she's really trying um i also had questions about the food spread because it was just pickles and then baked beans well pickles have a very big place in the barbecue but it didn't and baked beans are part of barbecue too so i would I, I would think that there was probably barbecue there. I, I didn't see it. Unless I misremembered, there was, I didn't see any meat. I didn't see any, like, yeah. it seemed like just beans and pickles, which I feel like is a terrible combination. Yeah, by itself, yeah, that's good. You go be gassy. You get to get farts, and then you get pickle farts. <laughs> um, Giselle then arrives. Karen and her are joking around, and Karen's like, I mean, you're more fun now with your new boyfriend. And Giselle's like, I didn't say I had a new boyfriend, Karen. Uh, and then Karen and her conventional, I mean, there's no shame in a woman wanting to pick up a toy every now and again, but I haven't seen him. I know the pastor was living in the phone, but Jason's ass not even in the phone. I haven't seen him. Where are you at? Outer space? <laughs> Also, I forgot about the whole Jamal's in the phone bit, which I loved. Also, Giselle, stop lying. He would not be on this show if he wasn't serious. Yeah. But of course, I mean, this is common with Giselle that she's not going to bring her man around to events. Like, which I don't necessarily blame her. She because, brought her fucking hairstylist, Cal, and not like... I mean, but, you know, housewives can be a little vicious. You know, <laughs> so not in- introducing him... Right away. Well, and who would be the most vicious of this group? You're right. I know. But. She had the gall later to accuse Eddie of not wanting this. She says at the end of the episode, Eddie don't want that smoke. Bitch, you don't want any smoke from anybody. You can't. You don't want Candace's smoke. You don't want Wendy's smoke. You can't even look them in the fucking eye. And you're going to be critiquing people. Like, mm-hmm. give me a fucking break. Lay, lay your shit out on the table. Um, I just wrote a note uh, in my notes that just says, make sure to bring up uh, Gordon parking for Merlin because you were (laughs) first off me and Gordon pull up in separate cars, which was odd on on, on a base level. It doesn't inspire confidence for for their relationship, but you were pissed off at Gordon. I forgot about this. (laughs) I just remind you. You did. Um, And you re-sparked. 
the flame of fury. You were so mad. This fucking self-important blowhard bastard <laughs> parks in the striped-off handicap loading area. I just... <laughs> I grew I grew up with a disabled brother. Yes, yes. We yes. had a lift van for him. And handicap parking is already extremely limited. So when you get into a small parking lot like that was, there's probably only two spaces maybe that are handicap accessible and then to have the loading zone, which is for letting down a ramp on a on a uh, on a ramp van, right, or a lift on a lift van, or just getting in and out, like needing the extra space to open your door all the way to get in and out of the car, right? That's what those are for. You've basically parked in the place that makes it completely inaccessible for people with disabilities. Yeah. Fuck you. It's just, it's one of those few, it's, it's the similar, and I know it's not the same degree, but it's like, it's the like people who don't tip waiters. Like it's the, it's something where it's just like, this speaks to your character at the end of the day. I mean, it, I, I wanted to leap through the TV. You were so pissed. Because the amount of times I have growing up had to resist the urge to let the lift down on somebody's car. Mm Mm-hmm. I have almost done it. And I get that fury from my mother. I get it honestly. (laughs) Like, I just, I have this very strong sense of justice. And when somebody does something that is so egregious like that to completely remove access from someone who cannot get access any other way, it infuriates me. Right. So, like, Gordon, if you're listening... Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you with the biggest dildo you can find wrapped in sandpaper using uh, rubbing alcohol as lube. Fuck you, you you piece of shit. (laughs) That was like, I'm, I'm furious. No, I agree. No, you're totally right though. Um, so they, but I also love, so they go in and then Karen's like, hi Mia. And then does like the air kisses. Like, (laughs) like we're not touching yet. Like we're slowly like, we're, (laughs) I love Karen. Just like, but we're getting better. We're getting better though. (laughs) Um, Wendy walks in, and of course, me and and Giselle are already playing. And me, as soon as Wendy walks in, Mia goes, "Oh gosh, she ruins everything." Because there's so like, again, there's a bitterness that is just. And I think people are more conditioned to think that it's like technically happening on both sides. Because yes, Candace is like, "I don't fuck with that girl either," blah blah blah. But I just think like, uh, there's there's a a drumming up against particularly Wendy. I would say maybe less Candace, but more Wendy that is just like, I feel so completely unwarranted and unnecessary. Well, and the thing is, is that Candace and Wendy and Karen have problems with people on the other couch, right? Right. But they don't like, they have decided for the good of the group, for the good of the show, they are going to at least move forward and and like they aren't talking to giselle but that's also i would say because giselle's made it clear 
that she's not talking to them. Like Giselle, like, like I'm not going to engage with someone if there's no, if they have no desire to even look in my direction. Like that's not something I'm not going to like, you know, because then I'm just going to look like a fucking idiot and I'm not going to do that. But my point, like I was saying before, is that I think I'm pissed that production hasn't sat down with Giselle and said, look, you can't keep doing this. Like you could be mad at these people. Don't get me wrong. As even as falsely as it is, because then Giselle also talks about like, you know, do she's talking to her confessor. Like, do I speak to Candace? No, I do not. Um, just rewind the videotape and they do the rewind to the reunion where Candace says the thing about your dwindling uterus and that you're, you're white passing ass and all that stuff. Never mind what pushed Candace to make those comments. Oh, right. Cause of like, once you say something vicious enough to Giselle, she's suddenly the victim. And it's like, you are not taking account to the timeline of, like, what actually fucking happened. Like, I just just need to know what Giselle and Robin have done to production to earn this favoritism. Mm -hmm. Just just like I was wondering what uh, Marlo had done on Atlanta, because it's the same production team. Right. So, like... We see you, Eric. We see you, Eric. But it's just so clear, like, the the favoritism for certain people. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. Like, there's there's favoritism all over Bravo, right? Like, Andy never holds Kyle Richards accountable in uh, reunions right. or on Watch What Happens Live. He never does. Like, she's clearly his favorite housewife. So it's... It's very frustrating in a certain, like, regard that she gets to go on for, like, 14 seasons now and run amok with no comeuppance ever. So, like, it it happens everywhere. But it's so clear here. Like, that's just at reunions. At least she could be held accountable by the other ladies during the season. But it seems like you're not even able to do that on these two shows right. because it will just get edited out. And to me, it's like the, the closest is like with like the bit, the main offender I would say is more Robin because yeah. like, and I feel like what happened was that with this one stuff, they almost had to like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like if they, they would get, I don't consider, I don't think they ever really given Robin like the proper full, like fledged edit that they needed to give her. And I think they're only forced to at this point because of the way everything came out. I think if the, if Robin didn't cop to it on the podcast and and do all that shit, would they have mentioned it at the reunion? Probably would they have not. done all that post edit stuff? Probably not. Yeah, and that and that's frustrating. Um, Karen is pairing off the teams, and she's making sure to pair like Candace on Giselle's team and Robin's team, and and me and Wendy together. And I love her just being like, "Look, don't ask me any questions. It's my event." <laughs> Uh, and trying to at least get something out of this. NECA arrives and they're, she's, they're, they're not explicitly cold to each other, but there's like a kind of like, Hey, how's it going? Like sort of thing with Wendy where it's like very yeah. surface. But again, like, but at this point, everybody knows about the bullshit about spreading the rumor about Wendy being Osu. Most, most everyone. I would say, well, I mean, oh, well, Candace both, does know too. what I mean is both of them know. So yeah. there's no like pretense of, getting to know each other it's like 
bitch, fuck you. Yeah. From yeah. both sides. Yeah. Um, and also, so Juan and Robin arrive, and then the edit, they, they pull up, and then they just see all these quotes of everyone talking about Juan, like flashing, like dramatically on the screen. Uh, and, and it's like Wendy going, crossing the border for some cooch. Giselle going, like, it just looks bad. And then just big letters, Juan going, I don't care. And I wish they would have included the, my favorite uh, Juan Dixon quote, which is like, yeah, I would suck his dick, Michael Darby. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that was a quote that was missing. Um, yeah, they walk in and Candace in a confessional. Is that Juan Dixon playing play from the Himalaya? <laughs> and then I uh, credit to Mia because <laughs> Mia in her confessional goes, I mean, yeah, I'm glad that Juan's here. Like, why wouldn't he be? He doesn't have a job. <laughs> it's like Mia. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Mia, I I will give her credit for at least like dispersing the shade equally throughout. Yeah, but I guarantee you Robin doesn't get mad at her about that. But if Candace had said that oh, or for if sure. Wendy had said that, it would have been World War Three. One thousand percent. Um <laughs> Giselle says they're confessional. At the end of the day, Juan is not my man. So I stated my case and I'm done with it. I'm like, okay, but like for the so, first time ever. Yeah. Suddenly I tweeted about it, like on the Gay and MB Twitter. Uh, sudden, that statement not applicable to Chris Bassett, Eddie Osefo, Ray Huger, uh, Chris Samuels, um, Michael Darby. Like, Even though she was correct in that sense. Yeah. Like, girl, like suddenly because it's Juan, you're like, yeah, but, you know, I got to stay out of it. It's not my marriage. Fuck off. Like. Uh, so that's the one bone you won't carry? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Candace says they're professional because Ro- so Robin comes in, but Robin like doesn't talk to Candace. She like actively like avoids Candace. Uh, and Candace says they're professional. As I'm racking my brain to understand what Robin's issue is with me, I'm coming up short every time. And then they flash headlines of the screen of like she should be fired, she's a fraud, blah blah blah. And yes, Candace said all those fucking things. But she I was right. Like because I just don't get the like she was right in retrospect. Like we just laid out why Robin shouldn't be here. But like. I don't understand how you can't like Robin. It, this is all in the sense that Robin still can't visualize why Candace would be upset with her because, and, and not to mention also the fact that she wouldn't even own the fucking speakerphone thing at the, at last season where she right. embarrassed Candace unnecessarily in front of the whole group, but then going into the reunion and flip flopping and taking Giselle's side on everything. Right. Casting down of like, oh, is it, you know, we can all agree it's suspicious that a man, if a man is in a hotel room with another woman, lending to those, you know, critiques. And quite frankly, Robin proving her point even after the fact when she fucking goes on her podcast and being like, yeah, there's new rumors about Chris getting that girl pregnant. Yeah, yeah, I believe him. I mean, you know, maybe you should have listened to us, Candace, which we didn't even talk about that, that the girl has then now come out and said that I did, I lied about that. That did not happen after she was already disproven because people were comparing like photos that he, she had sent about of Chris that clearly don't match his tattoos and, and all that stuff. Also, there was somebody who claims to have DM'd with her asking if it was Giselle that put her up to it. Yeah. And she confirmed it in that DM. Now there now, is, no I don't proof, know if I trust her. On there that. is no proof in that screenshot. Number one, that it is, 
like we don't know that it, that wasn't edited. Right. We don't know anything like that. And also we don't know if she was lying, but if whether, it was a real screenshot or but not. But whether Giselle set her up to it or not, Giselle was fully ready to run with it. Right. She saw, like, on their podcast and in interviews and stuff like that, she was like, yeah, I see the rumors. I mean, it can be, it seems like it's probably true. Like, she was very, like, adamant with that. And it was so clear what it was, like, you know what's a great way to prove that last season you weren't hiding the wad stuff by bringing up the Chris hotel room conversation as a distraction. You know what's a great way to hide that? When Robin shit is being put on blast this fucking season to then bring up this Chris allegation to then take the attention off of Robin. You're literally doing it in real time. It's so frustrating. I'm so tired. They're so dense. I'm so, like... Ugh. No, they're, no, no. Because she knows what the fuck she's doing. Sure. You can say that. Um, Karen, her confessional. What? Because Robin's in this, like, black body con, like, like um, uh, jump, not jumpsuit. Um, uh, like, just, like, body con thing with, like... A, a bodysuit? Yeah, bodysuit. Why can't I think of bodysuit? It's fine. Uh, and it's she or whatever, and and Karen or Professor. What the hell is Robin wearing to pickleball? You look like a sheared Batman. See through vagina on display. Put it back. Nobody want it. Not even one. <laughs> and then I love Karen. Like, oh, cut that out. <laughs> oh, Karen's great. Um, Eddie. Uh, Eddie. Okay, so then Eddie introduces himself to Ike because he's saying hi to Juan, and he introduces himself to Ike. He says, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Eddie, basically. And Ike's like, hi, nice to meet you. I don't know if he says nice to meet you, but he just, like, but he doesn't correct him. Right. He's not like, hey, my good friend Eddie from fucking uh, University of Maryland. Like. <laughs> I, I'm so tired. Um, they play pickleball for a little bit, uh, but then they eventually uh, sit down to go eat. This okay. So then this was Karen starts talking. Karen talks about like uh, she's like, well, I really appreciate all the men being here as well, uh, and I want to take a moment to thank everyone for coming. And to be honest, you know, every one of us are not in a good place, you know, talking about the women. And then she goes, "I'll say this: Robin showed up, and that's a beautiful thing because she didn't have to." And she's praising Robin and, and Juan specifically, Robin, but Robin and Juan for showing up, like you know. Obviously, she's essentially saying there's obviously, you know, been an elf in the room with the group and stuff like that. But I thought it was very nice of you guys to show up and be out there. What does Robin do? Stop saying my name. Stop saying my name. I said, stop saying my name. Shut up, Robin. Like, why are you like? It's, also, Juan never comes to anything. He don't, Yeah, exactly. It's like, but this is maybe the one moment in eight seasons that Karen has intentionally tried to say something positive to you. And you're like, stop. Like, why are you making it? Stop. Shut the fuck up. Like, like you have faced zero to almost no scrutiny on this fucking show this season. None. And someone can't even say your name in public without you fucking throwing a fit. But I thought you didn't care. Yeah. But I thought people could bring up one as much as they wanted to. I thought you were ready to have that conversation. Those were the words you said. And then Juan literally then leaves with Ike to go play more pickleball or whatever. And, and basically said, whispers like, I'm not going to sit here and listen to that. Listen to what? Like, uh, fuck them. They need to go. I'm so, I'm, I'm over them. I'm over it. 
Um, so then they start talking and then Ashley brings up like, you know, I did, you know, I mentioned about how like I delivered the, uh, NECA's message wrong to Wendy and, and NECA's like, I appreciate you, you know, saying <laughs> like NECA didn't really hold Ashley the account at all for like misstating that, which makes me think that it was pretty clear that there's a, uh-huh. um, Candace then asked like, so are the two of you good? And NECA goes, I mean, I don't know her to, like, have a problem with her. And Wendy's like, yeah, like, I don't know her to have a problem. And NECA goes, oh, but did, didn't I just say that? So so you're just, like, repeating what I'm saying? NECA was looking for an issue. And it's so it was so blatant that she was. But and I it, thought you knew each other. But again... <laughs> Wasn't that the whole thing? That you knew each other already? She wants to... Uh, and then NECA then goes... But, like, I did hear that you have, like, a problem with me and then brings up, like, the phone call stuff and just is very just pointed immediately and, like, not, like, Candace, I think, I think it was Candace that hits on it, like, in a little bit, which is just, like, why are we just, like, even if you believe, even if all this happened, right, why are you assuming that Wendy, one, knows about it and, two, told her mother to harass your family or whatever? Why wouldn't you be like, hey, Wendy, I have this issue. If you're, on, if you're not looking for an issue, if you're not looking for drama for this show and to make these like accusations against this person, if you want to actually like maybe have a relationship and a friendship with this person, why are you immediately assuming in your mind that w- maybe Wendy talked to you or to your mom or something because I understand that. But why are you immediately assuming that Wendy told her mother, call her cousin and threaten her and say that you're going to fucking cast voodoo on her or whatever the fuck. Why is that the assumption? I have my opinions. Don't say it. Like, please. Like, um, so, hmm. cause it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Um, so here we're, we're going to get into to this. First of all, it's 2023. Why are we using the term witch? Right. Or any association with witchcraft as an insult, as a an attack on someone's character. It's literally like witchcraft in and of itself is not a religion, but it's the oldest like paganism is the oldest religion that exists. Right. It existed before Christianity. It existed before... Because all it is is cultural beliefs. Right? Yeah. So why are we attacking the idea of paganism? Number one. But number two, you know how much of an insult it is. In West Africa in general... But specifically in Nigeria, specifically amongst the Igbo people, to call someone a witch. Because And Wendy posted on her social media actually explicitly detailing this about how you can basically be stoned to death. And, and, be, and, or well, and it's also associated with the whole Osu thing. Yeah. Because the whole thing with the Osu is that you sacrificed a child to like ancient gods or to like a monarch or whatever or whoever in order to gain favor. And so when Christianity took over, 
anyone who had practiced osu or who had been labeled osu got ostracized because that was a pagan practice yeah so like it reeks of like a colonizer mindset and it's really incredibly fucked up to it continuously attack wendy on her cultural ties right and and especially and and as much as neck is the one doing it it's obviously i believe fully it's being at the very least orchestrated or i'll say at the very least encouraged by giselle and robin and 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 that ilk when you're just coming off of a season of being accused of playing into um uh, light-skinned like privilege in many regards like why on earth would you then like clearly divorce yourself from the understanding of like how this is not just simply like oh she's a witch like it's like there's a connection to this that is cultural that you are not like caring about whatsoever and being so flagrant with well but i don't even think they're being flagrant i think that they picked up on that and are specifically attacking that right right right. like that like they are outwardly being flagrant but it's intention there is no way that the entire drama around wendy centers around her being ebo yeah because if she was not ebo if she was someone who didn't know what her African roots were Mm -hmm. and she was, you know, one of many millions of black people in America who do not know their specific African roots, then there would no, there would be no issue. Right. Or there would be some other contrived issue, but you honed in on her culture and like it's so fucked up it's and for really this is. to be orchestrated by the green eyed bandits clearly it, even if Giselle and Robin aren't involved which i don't believe that ashley very very clearly is yeah so it's like fuck y'all yeah like what are you doing and the and candace is clearly the only one that like I, I appreciated Candace in this moment, like recognizing how fucked up this is. Like, even in the moment, she was basically like, because she talks about to Neca later about like, I don't need my like two Nigerians fighting like this. You guys are like a small community. Like, you need to right. And and like, to, it's it's not just a thing like post you know all this. Like, it's like in the moment, Candace was like, this is fucked up. Like, and it it may not be the case, and far be it for me to criticize a black woman for her connection to her own culture. Right. But it seems very much like NECA is, has no connection to her culture and is literally all she does is use it when it's helpful and weaponize it when it's not. Yeah. I can't, like you said, I can't speak to that either. And, but I will say I've seen a lot of black content creators and, and people explicitly be like, call out that like, she kind of puts on like a Valley girl accent in many regards. And because you can see her drop it. And, oh yeah, she drops it here in this fight with Wendy. Like, and because she, Wendy's like, sweetie, I never called you. Like, what in law? And then Neca's like, it was. I said it was your sister. Neca goes, let me clear this shit up. And Wendy goes, clear it the fuck up. And Neca goes, I'm clearing it up, bitch. What the fuck are you talking about? And the way that bitch just like, again, like, why is it so elevated so quickly? You went from like not knowing each other, like like being casual acquaintances or whatever with each other, to now you're just dropping like the bit like. 
Yeah. I just, I don't understand. And it, it's so, it's so nasty. And it got so nasty so fast out of nowhere. Yeah. And I just, there's no excuse for that shit. Karen goes up to Giselle and goes, this is your fucking fault. And Giselle goes, you and your green ass needs to get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, so then like they flash the screenshot. Like, cause, cause, cause when he's like, show the receipts or whatever. And Nick is like, I, I screen grabbed the fucking call log or whatever. She's like, it was on good Friday. Um, and we, there was also the critique of it because, and we talked about it in the TikTok that we posted that, it says Susan, which I guess is 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 the name the that she goes hand. by. It's also her middle name, right? I think. But she, her real name, her initials are I O, right? And on the iPhone, like sort of graphic thing, it says I O, but then it reads Susan, which doesn't make sense if you've if you have an iPhone and you have someone in like that explicit like contact or whatever list because whatever the listed name is the initials would match even if it was a nickname it would show up in quotation marks and smaller text underneath it it would not be there on the name line and so that's my question is like did production be like well we can't show her real name so let's put her nickname in it also it's off center it is off center which makes it think that it was it was a photoshop job but my my question is: Is it a Photoshop job by NECA, or is it maybe by production? But again, I don't like production getting into these receipts and like fucking with them. Like, blur it if you want to, or like blur it and put like a red arrow to where it says, you know, Wendy's mom, like whatever. But you yeah. don't like. There's ways to do that that does not. Make it seem Make suspicious. It, right. Because what they did was they tried to disguise it as a real screenshot. And it's like, it's so clear that that's not what it is. And going back to the, like the, why does Ike have a screenshot of when he is friended with Eddie versus not? Like, right. it's like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. And then when he's like, you sound cra- so crazy. And Mia whispers to Joe, she said that about me too. You know, I'm crazy too. I'm like, Mia, you are crazy. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> And so Wendy then starts like Wendy is like sort of when she's in it she can get very like hyped and like so so she's getting up and like you hating on me for everything and then like starts strutting like along the side like but it failed it's a flop it's a flop and start like repeating herself and like flipping her hair. Uh, here's the thing I wish Wendy I, I don't I don't blame Wendy because I think also when you have someone calling you a bitch and calling you out yeah. your name it gets you hyped up in that I wish she kind of didn't do this because I, I see a lot of people being like well she's like deflecting right she's like going with the hysterics and and, and all this stuff to def- like it deflect from not having the conversation which i get that it seems that way like it it does look that way to a certain regard i will but say I that if you go back i will also say that if you go back and look at those people and what else they have tweeted about potomac Sure, yeah, they yeah. side with the green-eyed bandits every time, and nine times out of ten, those are the white fans. Sure. So I'm not really buying it. My thing is, like, I think, she, like, I will say, though, I, I think how she handled Mia last episode at Ashley's event, or, or whatever, like, maybe two episodes ago mm-hmm. at Ashley's event was, I think, much better in the way she was just like, yeah, you're slow. Like, you're, you're, yeah. like, it, there was a, a positioning of yourself above that person that really helped in that argument that made Mia look fucking stupid. And I think she could have done the same with NECA, but NECA was I think, looking for a reaction. Got it. I think the issue is that she brought up her mom right out of nowhere because Wendy didn't know that was coming. There was nothing new between her and Mia. So she was clearly prepared to have that fight. 
she wasn't prepared for this one. She didn't know her mom was getting brought into it. She didn't know she was going to go so deep and nasty on the cultural lines. And when it, yeah, and when it has that cultural connection and that significance, there is a, def- a not defensiveness, but like a, a desire to like correct the record as swiftly and like intensely as possible. Well, and it's anger, yeah. right? Like the initial reaction is, fuck you. Right. Like if you had a problem, Come to me and tell me there's a problem. Don't, number one, out this in front of all these people. And number two, in front of all these cameras. If you give a shit. About the culture. About the culture. Then pull me to the side. Right. Wendy's like, you know, with what Ashley brought to me about, like, you saying that I was Osu or whatever. Now I'm starting to think that's the case because the way that you're bringing this whole shrine thing up now links to that. And it kind of incriminates you. And and that is like, keep trying to be detective. Your mom said it. And when he's like, my mom worships our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Neca goes, by day, by night, she's submitting names to shrines. It's like, this is just getting, like you said, so nasty so quickly and unearned and like, uh. Uh, also, Wendy made a, a post about this, or I think it may have been the same post. It's mm-hmm. like, the only shrines I know of are in the Catholic Church. Sure. So, like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's right. Catholicism does incorporate a lot of, because when Catholicism was first created, it was a bridge between Christianity and paganism. Okay. Like, there were a lot of pagan aspects brought in. That's why Christmas is so reflective of Yule. That's why, and Saturnalia, which is like a, a wintertime festival in like Greece and Rome and all of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Rome, not Greece. Um, if it was Greece, then we would have heard about it from Angie K. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like, that's where the Christmas tree and wreaths and all of that stuff yeah. comes from is from Yule, not Christianity. It has nothing to do with Christianity. Um, but that's a good point. Like, like there's a there's a bridge, right? And that's why there's the lighting of candles and and the incense and all of those things that are very commonplace within paganism. Yeah, but that's a, such a no, no. That's such a good point, though. They're practices right. that were adopted by Christianity to make it more palatable to people that were converting. But why? That's why is she assuming it's witchcraft? Like not to say like you what you've laid out about how we shouldn't be insulting witchcraft hundred percent. But if there is shrine, and she's also from what I remember from that conversation with Robin, all she says like don't pray pray against me, you know, making like just talking about like prayer, and it's like if you're talking about prayer and shrines. Why is the the immediate jump then that it's this separate thing other than being Christian? Right. Isn't her family Catholic? Yeah. So why wouldn't she then go to a cathedral, light a candle, and say, you know, this person, Neca, is coming for my daughter. Please help her see the light. Please help her. Because plenty of people in Christianity pray for negatives as much as positives as well. Absolutely. But I don't even necessarily think that that's what the case was. I think that it's a help her realize that this is not the case. Help her stop coming for my child. Help her, you know, all of those things. It's not necessarily going, you know, lead her towards hell. Have her fall off a cliff. That's not what anybody's doing. Right. But no, he, no, clearly, uh, 
Miss Susan like was the reason one stuck his dick in the can. Apparently. Apparently. Um, Wendy then just goes, you know what I want to work? Because Robin's like, go to the side and work it out. And, and Wendy's like, you know who I want to work it out with? I want to work it out with Mia. And then she grabs Mia. This did say, I mean, I'll say this. It seemed weird. I thought it was more a case of like Wendy was going to go in to be like, okay, let me make up with Mia. What I thought it, like, honestly, what I thought it was, was that Karen had a conversation with her and brought up the whole slow comment of how she took it with her side as much as bullshit as that was right like and then when he was going to try to make good with it because i mean that is the point of karen's event right is to make good with people but people are like oh she's just like suddenly having a conversation with me after she called her stupid and and all this stuff and then robin air confessional goes okay boys and girls this is professor osefo demonstrating deflection 101 it's so obvious you ain't need to the, the word deflection does not need to leave your goddamn mouth. Ever. Ever. Erase it from your vocabulary because you have not earned the usage. The the audacity is far too much of that coming from Robin. No, what happened here was Wendy was like, look, I, 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 I do not, I can't wrap my head around this bullshit right now. And if I'm going to fight with somebody, it's going to be on something that I know all the facts about. <laughs> and, so let's get me the devil I know as opposed to the devil I don't. Right. Because she's still, I don't think that she's fully under, like, there's, like, there's that whole confusion when somebody whacks you over the head with, like, a new accusation. Yeah. I think that that's what was happening. And Wendy was angry, but she was like, I, I can't get into this fight right now because I don't know what the fuck it's about yet. Right. Like, I still need to process all of this. So I'm going to go over here and either make up with Mia or fight with her. But I know what this fight's about. And I can use this anger either to, like, fix things or eviscerate this bitch that deserves it anyway. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so they're still talking and arguing at the table. But then the catering then gets knocked over and the the little like what are those called the little fire the um, little um uh, what are they called heating lamp. not heating lamp but like um canister uh, things uh-huh uh falls over and like the carpet like starts getting on fire and they're like oh my god and they're trying to put out the fire and candace is going these are the demons coming to get us and this was played up in the trailer and all that stuff and then we find out it was just Juan ran into the fucking uh fence and it knocked over the shed which I found out was so funny. I found it so funny because the way that they, the way that they edited Candace was like she was siding with NECA. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then in the scene, it's like clearly she's like making a joke about it. Yeah. Clearly she's trying to go. You see how fucking stupid this bullshit is, right? And then so Karen then gets mad at Juan because all the beans are on the floor and and all. And Karen goes, "Juan Dixon, come to me, woman a woman. You got a problem with me? <laughs> Not woman a woman." Uh, so then they're just like, in, okay. So then they're like in their own corners, like sort of still like talking, like Wendy's like popping off and being like, she brought the gun, but I brought the bazooka and all this stuff. And then NECA brings up to Mia that Eddie unfollowing Ike on Facebook or whatever. And Mia goes, so wait, so they know each other? And NECA goes, I think they know of each other. Yes. So which one so is, which it? is it? You said in the first scene, they were friends. And now it's, you think they know of each other. Not that they know each other, that they know of each other in that they are aware that each other exists. And Mia goes like, did they speak tonight? And, and NECA's like, I mean, it might be the same fake shit that Wendy did to me. 
What? You mean the same if fake you know shit that someone, you... If you know someone, you say... Like, it's so stupid. If you know someone, say, Hi, good to see you again. Or, Hi, it's been a long time. Or what... You don't fucking... Like, it's so... Like, Eddie said... Eddie introduced himself as if they hadn't met ever. So... Like, do you know how many people there are that I know from college that if I were to run into them on the street would not recognize right. me. Right. You know, but again, we're going back to it. Do you know how many people on my fucking Facebook page right now from high school and from college who I barely can remember their fucking faces? Yeah. I guarantee you also, if, if the first screen grab of what they showed of when Eddie and, and uh, Ike were friends, it says 139 mutual friends. So my guess is Eddie just mass followed people from college. Right. Or like if there was like a college Facebook group, you can just follow fucking whoever. And then he probably cleaned house at some point on I his would Facebook assume, page. I would assume that Wendy said, hey, we're going on a reality show. Maybe clear off the dead weight off of your Facebook because there's no proof of when there was an unfriending. Number one, there's no proof that there was a friending. Right. Number two, there's no proof of when the unfriending happened. So, like, fuck off. Yeah, it's like, there's what is the argument? Like, because, and me is like, you just, you don't just follow anyone on Facebook. Yes, you do. There are plenty of people, like, I don't follow any, like, not especially everyone on Facebook the, is my close fucking personal Especially friend. in the early days of Facebook. Like, he was in college a little bit before I was. Yeah. That was in the early days of of Facebook. Facebook started in, like, 2006. Uh, and I, I got on in 2007, which was my freshman year in college. You, back then, you had to have a college email address in order to get on Facebook. I think that was his senior year. Right. So I think I'm the same age as Ike. Okay. So, of course, you're just going to go in and add people because we really don't know. Social media is so different back then. Yeah. Now we're, like, concerned about you know, private information getting out. But back then, nobody gave a shit like, about that. The, no, but you just add people. But in the most case of the scenario, they were like an acquaintance, right? Right. Like, like if they were on that same form or the meetings or whatever in, in college right. at NECA said in the first part, they were the most acquaintances. So then why is the unfriending on Facebook an offense? Also, it was 140 people, this, this group. Yeah. Because that's how many friends Mutuals. they had, mutuals they had in common. So clearly he went in and just friended everybody in that group. Right. But so, and, and Mia goes up to Eddie and when he, and Mia's like, you know him? And Eddie's like, I just met him. And so when Eddie then goes over to then clarify this and Mia brings up like, you said he unfriended you on Facebook. And Ike's like, Eddie, what's up with that? And Eddie's like, when did I unfollow you on Facebook? I just met you today. And they get like to a back and forth and she, and cause people were pointing out, I keeps going, you didn't unfriend me on Facebook. And Eddie keeps going, I just met you today. And people were like, well, that's not the question, Eddie. And you're kind of dodging, but he's not dodging. He's answering the question by, by proxy. Yeah. He's basically saying, I just met you today. How could I have unfriended how, you? But also how could he def- like to me, if he unfriend, like my theory is he unfriended Ike in this like mass unfollowing for just random people. He's like, I don't know really any of these people. So I unfollowed them. So 
maybe he, I think the reason he's not explicitly saying it is also because maybe I did unfollow him, but I don't know who this person is. So well, he probably doesn't even remember unfollowing That's him. That's what I'm it's saying. Like, like, it's like, I don't, I just met you. Like, what are you talking about? How could I unfriend you? Yeah. Uh, NECA then keeps like trying to insert herself and Ike literally stops her and goes like, let me talk, honey, or whatever the fuck. And then he tells he tells Eddie, say it with your chest. You don't know me. Say it with your chest. Well, this is not serious. And Wendy literally pulls a face with him. And then NECA goes, don't get in my man's face. Back up. It's like, what the I fuck? I got in his face. Yeah. <laughs> It's so crazy. When he says her confessional, Ike Dunn turned into Ike Turner. You're fighting over Facebook? If somebody doesn't remember you, you're just not memorable. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he's trying to, like, basically calm Eddie down, she's like, they're trying to get a moment out of you. Like, whatever. Neca says her confessional, Eddie kind of reminds me of the guy from Get Out. And they do, like, a flash of, like, the, that, he, that he was, like, because I guess... She's trying to say that, like, Wendy's, like, you know, controlling him or whatever the fuck. NECA's, like, seems like he's, like, looking for freedom. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. And also, we're playing into that aspect as well. Like, the, like you know what Get Out was about, right, I don't bitch? think she does. I, 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 if she does, then, like, again, she's also playing fast and loose with, like, cultural things that I just think is, like, crazy to me. And Wendy's like, it's absurd. And Neca goes, your mom did it. Your mom's absurd. And Wendy goes, your mama. Say my mom's name again. And then Neca goes, your mom is a witch. Like, very, like basically using it as a slur, which was like, as soon as she said that, I looked at you like. I, I had already been fuming from the parking situation. This just reignited everything. Yeah, it was bad. It was really fucking nasty and bad. Um, that was Potomac for the week. Jesus Christ. The, the, uh, no, that's not, it's not good. It's fix it, it real, Jesus. Fix it. Jesus. Like fucking, I, I'm hopeful next week that they, cause they're going to Austin for their cast trip and Candace and Ashley fight seemingly. And it seems like maybe a recreation of the butter knife scene, which I'm happy about. Um, but like, I need, can't, here's the thing. I'm hoping it'll be better when Candace is activated. Yeah. Like, I, that's one of the things where it's like Candace has been a little dormant. Well, and, but she's also been distracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's had her tour and stuff like right. that. So it's like, I need her to be activated and coming for these bitches because it's they're, they're running fucking rampant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was Potomac. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Married to Medicine. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? 
But soon Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay in a Zimby. Let's head on down to Atlanta, where, unlike Heavenly, we are on the guest list to watch Sweet Tea become married to medicine. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> married to medicine for this week. Uh, in the contrast to Potomac, like I said, like they are fucking killing it this season. It is so goddamn good. Well, and it's always, it's nice to watch this right after Potomac because yeah. it's just, it's a stark difference, mm-hmm. right? You get the clusterfuck that is Potomac. And then we get to watch Married to Medicine, and it, like, restores our faith in reality television. <laughs> right. And it's like, they're so, they are getting into each other's mess so much, and it's so... Like, oh, yeah. But they, they always balance it to where they still keep the friend group together in, like, a way that's actually really impressive. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, we see, like, some quick scenes before we get into the sort of the main action. <laughs> Simone is, like, call, calls Toya to ask about, like, so, like, Cecil's, like, not giving me an answer, like, what happened on G's uh, bachelor party thing. Eugene in the background just goes, Bible study. It was Bible study. <laughs> and Toya <laughs> goes, no, somebody wanted to take their pants off, Gregory. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ! And also, we get then we get a quick scene of uh, uh, Doctor Alicia, who we is the other friend of, mm-hmm. who we haven't been seen that much of. But I love she's like telling her husband about like what happened at the Bachelorette, and she's like, "Yeah, Sweetie got so mad, and she freaked out, and she was like, oh and then she like jumps on the couch, like 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 some like like monster just goes ah, and the look on her husband's face was like he was it was harrowing, it was. He was terrified. He was, he was like, "This is what we signed up for." She was overplaying it completely. Oh yes, it was. It was cold, totally blown out of proportion. But it was hilarious. Yeah, um, Jackie and Heavenly uh, then go to Phaedra's house in our first in their first times getting to see like Phaedra's place. Immediately, uh, Phaedra's dog Phoenix like runs out, and Jackie's afraid of dogs, so she's just freaking out. She start, like I've never heard her voice go that high pitched. Mm-hmm. And then Phaedra, her professional, goes, you would think it was Cujo and not Phoenix. <laughs> He's a little horny, so she might give Jackie what she's been missing. I was like, what? You'd say, not the bestiality on this show. <laughs> Ma'am. And then the best, so Phaedra's like get in the kitchen, like getting stuff for them as they're sort of looking around her house and heavily being like, this is interesting furniture. What is it? Like urban American? French conventional. <laughs> She's like throwing together random words of like, what does any of this mean? Also, just the uh, just to go back, the implication that Jackie don't get her cooch taken care of. Oh, I I would think of it. Uh, I mean, it's a stigma, but like I would think of it. Anyone would get it taken care of. It would be an OBGYN. Yeah, like you you know, Simone and Jackie independently are getting it in. <laughs> yeah, like if anybody fucks on this show, it's them too. <laughs> Again. Not together. Yeah. Uh, Heavenly <laughs> telling Jackie, I love this. You know, I know you don't, but I really do. And Jackie goes, I didn't say that. And like, smacks her. <laughs> Jackie it's goes, definitely not Jackie's style. Well, Jackie goes, you hear stuff and make up stuff like the demons in your head. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I love that Heavenly's acting as if she loves Phaedra's like uh, decor. But then her confessional is like, she's got like a modern American shit here, and then she's got gothic shit over here. It's like, what the? (laughs) I mean, to be fair, like if I had my rather's, I would be decorating in a clusterfuck of styles as well. Sure. But I'm also a maximalist, so there'd be shit everywhere. Right. The walls would be covered. It would be fabulous. Uh, so they're in the kitchen, and then Jackie asks Phaedra, so, like, what was this about, like, you inviting Claude, like, to the pamper party? Like, what is that all about? Phaedra goes, she didn't come with me, but I extended the invitation. <laughs> it's like, that's a real, of course, it's not Phaedra unless she's, like, playing with words. Oh, Yeah. If anybody's a wordsmith, it's that one. And Phaedra's like, I, I mean, I said to her, like, the ladies want to know where you are. And Jackie goes, so you show up at the new wife's party? And the, and Phaedra's like, I mean, you guys have been questioning, like, where Quad was. Jackie says they're confessional, basically. Quad is not available unless it works for her. Like, it's very much a... And I, I do agree with Jackie. It's like, because we've, we've tested this before when they got... when. Quad got divorced initially, right? Right. Where it was like, do you call her? Do you not call her? Does she want you to be, you know, or do you want, does she want to be left alone? Like, Quad doesn't really yeah, illustrate well what she wants out of a friendship. Well, and she withdraws. Yeah. When she's going through something, she withdraws. And it, it can be, I get why it would be frustrating for these girls while they're like, I'm sorry, you're getting paid the same amount that we are, but you're here for half the episodes. I need you to show the fuck up. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, But once they get they they get off in the conversation, so Jackie goes, and so back to you because I'm not (laughs) because you still got to answer for this Phaedra. (laughs) She's like, you still feel the good with that decision? Phaedra goes, I do, and Heavenly just goes, (laughs) (laughs) Heavenly's like chuckling this whole way through, and she's like. You, there was going to be like a fight among sisters. You, know, I think Quad changed the atmosphere. You know, I think she ushered in new spirits. And Heavenly goes, "You're going to go with that." <laughs> and Heavenly just says in the confessional, "We all know Phaedra's full of shit. She knows that I know that she is full of shit." <laughs> I love this. Show. I love it, but I love it. I love that there's no like because we've seen Phaedra on Atlanta all these years, and we know Phaedra's. I love that they're just like, yeah, we we already know she's fucking full of it. Like and she's lying when her mouth when her lips are moving. Right. Like it's so like. There's no like pretense that she's a new person to audiences. Yeah, but it's also then it's harder for her to then get one over on them. Like like truly get one over on them in a way that's like convincing. Right. Um, Heavenly, they're all sitting around and Heavenly asks, like, so do you think, like, Sweet Tea's ready to be married? Because, like, I have my concerns. And she's just, like, the way she was very volatile at the at the pamper party. I love Jackie going, look, we all act out. When I act up, I speak in syllables. I go, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, like, but I do, like, here's the thing. Again, we talk, I think we talked about it last week, maybe. Heavenly is correct that this, there are blaring red flags in what's happening with Sweet Tea and Greg. What, what gets me about Heavenly and everyone's relationship with Heavenly is, does Heavenly overstate things? Absolutely. Does she completely, like, bathe in hyperbole 1000 percent is the root of what she's saying wrong 
rarely. Yeah. And she's also very, it helps that she's also very self-deprecating herself. Yeah. Like she, like that way I, the, so when she talks shit, I don't really care as much. I find and it it's funny. it's equal opportunity. She spreads that shit around. Yeah. And Heavenly's like, Dr. G's not the one to be fighting on. You know, he has an emotional outburst as well. And I forgot about that therapy session where he like just laughs and like falls on the floor with Quad. And I was like, oh God, that season was a mess. That, oh man, that whole season was awful. Um, and then Heavenly is like a special. Two crazy people don't work. Damon and I work because I'm the crazy one and he's not. I'm glad she knows. <laughs> I'm glad she's aware that she's the crazy one. But he's uh, she is true on that. Like I feel like I'm the crazy only, one. Only Damon. Well, yeah, you know, we're di- we're different kinds of crazy. We balance each other's crazy. Yes, we're we're crazy at different times. Yeah, and like I feel like only Damon could be married to Heavenly when you really think about Accurate. it. Like Damon is so like anyone else in the world would have strangled that bitch already. <laughs> he's got the patience of a saint. Like. Um, we then go over to Simone and Cecil's and Miles is over uh, and she's talking with Cecil about like school and stuff like that. And being like, yeah, you know, the teachers are fine. You know, it's just hard, you know, learning from a textbook. Cecil goes, sometimes school is not about learning the material as much as it is about getting the grade, which is very true. And yep. there, we'll get, we had a long discussion, not a long discussion, but like sort of a spirited discussion about this scene because we kind of took different sides. Um, I, I agree with some of the points that Cecil is making here. Like, because yes, school, it, the problem with school is that a lot of it is about school sort of like just getting the te- past the test and then you know right and all that and you don't really learn real life things miles then miles then goes also when your parents you know get mad at you for getting a c and then we just hear up the stairs a c and simone like well, of course simone with her bat ears she was listening the whole time she was standing at the top of them stairs no child in mind is getting a c look okay so this is how it works within a major right yeah and I think I talked to you about this mm. when we were watching it live, is that at least this is how it was for me when I was, you know, in traditional college. Um, you have the requirements to pass a class are usually a D in college. For the most part, yeah. Usually it's like a 65, I think, is like the... Um, but that's for like your your core classes, the things you have to check off a list to get your basics done. Um, then within your major, you have different requirements for different parts of your major. For me, this is the example I'm going to use because this is what I know. I was a music education major. There is something within music that's called music theory. That's basically the the rules of reading and writing music right? and how music interacts on a technical level. Um, depending on your individual major within the music department, you have to make a certain grade. Like um, if you're majoring in music theory, you have to ace those classes. Yeah, those yeah. are foundational to your entire um, major. If you are, um, if I remember correctly, if you are a education major like I was, you have to make a B. Right. Like in order to move on, because there's like four levels of theory you have to take. Um, and if you are a performance major, you can get away with a C 
because you're not teaching this to anybody and you're not centering your major around it, but you still need to have a foundational understanding of this in order to really move forward in the major. But it's not as important as it is for an education major or a theory major. Yeah. So, like, a C is fine. Like, so, but that's, so that's the thing. Like, I agree with you on, on the grade stuff. I agree. Like, I didn't think the grade thing was the big thing. But I think when, when they get into sort of like the plan for Miles, like going forward, and Miles talks about, like, yeah, so I was originally thinking about doing like two summer classes, but then I had listened to the wise man referring to Cecil. And, you know, he said, you know, I should get like direct experience instead of taking classes. And Simone then just goes, when can I see a graduation? Is my question. And, like, I get Simone's point in the sense. And while the advice of Cecil is right, like, sometimes real-world experience is better than, like, get, and more helpful than it being in a classroom, you, I wish you would have told him that year one. Because I, he's, on a, he's on his fifth year, and Simone is basically like, but I'm paying for this. And it'd be one thing if he was getting loans and, like, sort of, like, it would be going on his end of things. Like... If the, it's, I can feel the frustration if I'm Simone and able to pay for college and am paying for college for him, and there is sort of a dragging in that regard. I say this as somebody who dragged all the way past five years and then didn't get a degree in college, but I also got loans, and, and that was the majority of how I paid for myself for college. My mom didn't wasn't able to sort of pay much of anything in terms of me going to college. Right. So... I I felt sympathy for Simone in that regard because you know it is a, it's all, it's not just his life it's also you know affecting her pocketbook at the end of the day. Sure. Um what I will say though is that I kind of call bullshit on that because the the check she gets from Bravo to do this show could have covered his entire college. Right, but again, it's not it's not just the fact that she ha- I, she has the money. Like, like, I'm not doubting well, but, that she has but the money. But her argument is, well, I want to retire at some point, and I have to have enough money for that. It's like, bitch, you know you got money for that. Don't even try to act like you ain't got money for that. I guess, but you don't know how many more seasons Married to Medicine gets. It can go. It could, you know, end in a in a heartbeat in, in terms of that. It shouldn't because it's the best show on Bravo right now. But I, I'm just saying, like, I understand that that certain level of frustration. And she says her confessional, I don't agree with the wise man. If I could choke out the wise man, I would. (laughs) As Cecil's like right there next to her. And so Simone's basically like, we will pay for one more year of college. And then the rest of it is on your own in terms of like what you do in that regard. Um, she, uh, basically talks about, cause I, well, and then Cecil, Cecil talks about like, you know, why, why are people against like generational wealth? I'm not against generational wealth. I agree. Like generational wealth is really important, but you still need to have that wealth. You know what I mean? True. I will say that at his age though, it is kind of, how old is he? Oh, probably late fifties. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, he's, oh, uh, miles. He's 24. Unless that, um, unless he will be 26. By the time they cut off paying for college, mm. he will not be able to get loans That's because true. of their income. That's true. So I can understand if they go, look, 
uh, we're the last time we're paying for it is when FAFSA matters because after that he's going to have no income and therefore he's going to be able to get grants to cover everything. He won't have to pay anything out of pocket for that anyway. Right. So at that point, who cares? But also I was thinking like, I feel maybe they said it last episode. I can't remember, but it's like, how many credits does he need? Right. How much, if he can get it done in a year, if, if that's a plausible thing, then yeah, get it done in a year. Like, you know, so you don't have to worry about that conversation. Um, but then I love Simone basically saying, because you're also wanting him out of the house in many ways. And Simone's like, I want to be able to run around naked in my own home. And then Miles going, I mean, like, what sex is being had? Like, you know, that warranty ended like 10 years ago. It's expired. And the look on Simone's face was like, I'm going <laughs> to, when once these cameras turn off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, we then uh, go to Sweet Tea and G. They're going to the wedding venue um, for the rehearsal and all that stuff. Um, uh, Sweet Tea asks G about, like, how the bachelor party went. And G goes, we were going so hard. And Sweet Tea going, explain hard. And I'm like, I don't think you want him to. No, you. Because <laughs> there's a clear answer to that. <laughs> I just, I still don't understand how. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comment that would probably come from Wendy Williams. <laughs> How do you get wet for that voice? I mean, can you also He sounds like Mickey Mouse. Did you also speaking of Mickey Mouse, did you also notice someone pointed out online when they're in the confessionals and you know how they have their doctors, um uh-huh. his the the word on the right side of it the word says like Dr. Gregory Lunsford. Uh-huh. It's in like Disney font. It's like big, like comical, like what? cartoon font. I didn't. Oh, Lord. But doesn't that make so much sense? It really does. <laughs> Again, this man is a psychiatrist. I don't, I don't understand that because he <laughs> seems to have no grasp on emotion. No, I take that back. He has a, he has a grasp on um, horniness. Yeah. He has a grasp on anger. And he has a grasp on pettiness. Anything in between, not so much. Not so much. Um, Sweet Tea talks about how stressed she is with everything and that, you know, she's feeling some way after what happened at like, the bachelorette party and tells G about the quad showing up. G says, basically, Phaedra knows more than, knows more than anyone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what that marriage did to me. I don't know why she's doing this. And so basically, like, they go through the rehearsal and, and, and all that stuff. But G goes away at one point to call Phaedra. And he just goes, my homegirl, my dog, my ace. Why? And Phaedra goes, why, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, you know why he calling you. <laughs> Phaedra tries to explain it as, like, you look, Quad had no. I also love that it's a different explanation every time to a different person. Phaedra, right. nothing about what Phaedra's saying is consistent. She, here she's saying, Quad had no issues with her. And she, you know, Sweet Tea needs to know that. Then, <laughs> and she's like, "There's no reason for them to have a relationship." And there was a again, it's a little fourth wally because it kind of feels like G is like basically being like, "I don't want Sweet Tea interacting with Quad at all." And I'm like, "Okay, but you're on the same show together." Yeah, that that to me was like, bro, you don't get to decide that. You you realize you see the camera in your face, right? He's yeah. like right there. Yeah. You know they mic'd you. Like, that person putting a mic... That wasn't part of the wedding. <laughs> like, that's that's an everyday thing. Right. So, like, what are we doing? G tells her, next time run it by me. And Phaedra goes, there's not going to be a next time because this issue is over. It's, I'm not doing it again. 
Um, so they leave it at that. Um, we then – it's the day of the wedding and people are getting ready. It's also Toya's birthday. So Eugene and uh, his son Avery make Toya like breakfast and bread and they have balloons for her. I love Toya being like, Ashton hasn't called me yet, their other son. And Eugene goes, he will. And Toya goes, when? Because he's on like some like band um, – vacation thing at like disney world or whatever and toy's basically like he needed to call me in the morning <laughs> right when he woke up it's like that boy is eight like or whatever like eight or nine yeah <laughs> like that also the band competition is happening in the morning so like let him be done with that and then he'll remember to call you yeah also it's the same day as um heavenly's daughter's senior prom senior prom i know that's that's crazy I I can't like I I feel so old, and and but the point of like also that Heavenly and Damon like sent her away to like let saw her before she left, but then are just sort of like you know still balancing like yeah we're still gonna go to this wedding and then plot twists with what ends up happening, but uh, Sweet Tea is in her room with all of her like bridal party and her mother and all these people and she's talking to her mother Sharita. Um, about like, you know, oh, when Greg to yeah, asked for, you know, your hand in marriage and all that stuff. And she lays out her confessional that originally she wasn't okay with Sweet Tea dating older men. And then lays out that Greg is actually five years older than her mother. <clears throat> and that point I was like, no, no, huh? you're, you're, have always been very adamant about like the age differences in relationships. And normally I'm like, oh, but it's not that bad. The, no, you cannot be older than someone's parent. I think that's a, that's a hard fucking line. That It's a hard fucking line is what it is. Well, exactly. And then the way Sweet Tea lays out like, and you know, my dad though was all, you know, always on board. You know, he saw Gregory did well for himself. He had his own practice. It was like back in the old days of like trading your daughter for a cow. What? Like, don't call, like, sweetie, you're telling your, like, don't refer to yourself like that. <laughs> like, Also, your family got a cow? Yeah. She is Southern. Oh, that's um, true. But like. <laughs> Instead of just a cow, they got a side of beef. <laughs> they got a big deep freezer with a side of beef in it. But also, I love that that's like the testament of like, well, he has enough money. So like, I'm glad that like he's with my daughter. Like, it's kind of not like the best endorsement. I get like that's an old school way of thinking. But like. I honestly think that they are on board because they know T's plan of get in, get pregnant, get out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tie that man down and then divorce his ass. You got to get everyone together on the same page in that regard. And this uh, dumbass didn't sign a fucking prenup. Yeah. Um, everyone's driving, uh, getting driven to the wedding. Cecil at one point asked Simone, what do you think Quad's going to wear? because <laughs> of course that is not an impossibility that quad would have showed up at this goddamn wedding to be honest I, honestly with the way that that sweet tea reacted to her at the bachelorette i wouldn't have been surprised yeah um so, um so damon basically it's like yeah you know i'm missing out on laura's prom but you know i'm friends with gregory so i wanted to make it a point to go to the wedding heavenly in the car going I texted her and I said, you know, girl, everything's going to be over today. She ain't responded. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're about to find out what that means. <laughs> um, okay. So they started all arriving. Um, you had a, we, we'll get Simone's dress. I need, we need to talk about. She looked beautiful. Not for this day. 
Because it looked way too much like a wedding dress. You do not wear white to another bitch's wedding. And I don't know if it was white. I think it was like really, no, really, it, really off. It's pink. in the neighborhood of white. Yeah. But it was to me it was like the crystally like stuff and like the cut of it. It was like If you think that you could number one walk down the center aisle and everybody go, Oh, that's a lovely wedding dress. Mm-hmm. If that's believable, wear something else. Something else. And if you can imagine drawing, walking down the aisle and you're standing on the middle aisle and it causing an issue with the pictures, also wear something else. Yeah. You do uh, not draw attention. You do not wear something white unless specifically told to by the bride. Yeah. I don't know what you thought about like the other looks. I actually thought Phaedra looked the best. Oh yeah, I love the orange with the like, and I normally don't like like big ornate like shoulder pieces, uh-huh. but like I actually thought this was like really well sculpted and like mm-hmm. pretty, um, and lended to the silhouette. I thought it was one of the. Best I thought things. it was understated for Phaedra, <laughs> kind of in a weird way, like, but it was like the best Phaedra's looked. I feel. Um, we do see so Contessa and Scott are at the wedding. We do see them, which was mm-hmm. nice. It was nice to see you know. Did Contessa have a slightly different face? You thought you thought she looked way different. I thought she looked way different. And also, was her forehead always that tall? I think maybe. Okay. She had that Ashley Darby forehead. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it was at she certain... She got that five, six head. It was at certain angles where I could kind of, yeah, kind of question It was it. like, did, did you get your chin shortened or like a jawline something or like cheekbones i don't know there was something structural that was different yeah um they all sit down jackie tells phaedra you know you're not the bride today and i'm like jackie you need to talk to your friend mm-hmm. phaedra phaedra's in orange like mm-hmm. and phaedra's like i'm the bride every day i'm married to jesus <laughs> <laughs> i think that <laughs> does mary cosby know about this <laughs> and then phaedra <laughs> They're going through the programs, and Faze was like, I do funeral programs like this. And Simone goes, when you married Apollo, like, you didn't have a program? And then Phaedra goes, yeah, but it was on silk. It was engraved. Of course it was. <laughs> but I, I love that just, like, they're still on sweet tea. Like, oh, God, this looks like a funeral. Like, like that's a really insulting thing to say at someone's wedding. But I kind of liked it, though. Like, there was a lot of information in there. Like, you could, if you got bored, you could pick it up and start reading. Yeah. Like, that's fun. Because bo- weddings are boring for everybody else involved, right? Honestly, and, but Phaedra's like, I mean, you know, it still didn't last though. And then she reminisces about like talks to them about like Apollo and the wedding, and like, I guess they, I didn't. People, I don't know if they said it originally on Atlanta, but like that she knew Apollo since like the twelfth grade or something. Or, I like, didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. Like so, but she and it was people are questioning whether whether it's revisionist history or not. Mm. But also at that point, that means that Apollo at that point also went to the same high school as Nini. Yeah. Because famously there was like that whole storyline of... I don't know you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was great. Uh, G uh, ends up walking down the aisle uh, as they start the ceremony. I love Phaedra in the confessional. Every time he looks at Sweetie, he's beaming like she's a fresh hot pan of biscuits. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to put that. 
Um, but Heavenly and Damon are at the front as the wedding's starting, though, and Toya and Eugene are coming in. But the they're going through the list, and there's nothing on there for Damon or Heavenly. Toya's like, you were just at the bachelorette party, and Heavenly's like, this is some bullshit. Like, this is fucked up. And, like, I love also... Well, so and then we find out from Sweet Tea. Sweet Tea's like, so my maid of honor basically told me that, like, Heavenly was talking shit about my marriage at the bachelorette party. And also, so, that was hella stupid for Heavenly to do. You check the room. When you're about to say something shady, you look around and see who's around. Sure. But then, not you Heavenly. You don't say that shit in front of the maid of honor. But it's so, it is so crazy that, like, she disinvited Heavenly, but not Phaedra. Right. Like, it just seems. Phaedra brought the entire ex wife. It's just a mess. Sweet T says, like, she needs to know not to mess with me. Um, Heavenly, uh, I love how they're, they're like, oh God, you know, you know, I, I, they're upset, but Heavenly's like, we ain't going to make a scene, baby. But then they cut over and then Heavenly pulls out her cell phone to talk to the party planner being like, so are you, what are you saying? I'm not on the list. And like puts the phone in his face. Like, yeah, I'm not on the list. This is some bullshit. Like <laughs> going full Karen in that regard. Uh-huh. Also the fact that the fucking party planner, they keep saying Johnny. And I was like. And the way, like, it was spelled J-O-H-N-I-E. And I was like, that's, that feels familiar. Why does that feel familiar? And then I was like, holy shit. Sweet Tea's fucking wedding planner is Candy's old fucking employee who sued her. Represented by Phaedra. Of, which I, now it makes sense of, like, where she got him, the wedding planner from. Like, who basically tried to claim that Candy stole the idea for the OLG and, like, you know, didn't pay him overtime and all that shit. Like, girl, that is a mess that he is, like, still on Bravo TV at this point. Weaseling his way in. Um, to, they Toya and Eugene then sit down, though, but they tell Phaedra and Cecil uh, that Heavenly, got to, Heavenly and Damon got denied at the door. Cecil tells Simone this, and I love that Simone just starts laughing. <laughs> Cause she's a messy bitch. She's like, that shit is hilarious. <laughs> but Sweet Tea then is walking down the aisle. I actually thought I don't remember much of her dress. I actually thought her hair and makeup was very pretty. I I I really like I like the way that she was put together. Yes. Um. But then like they're they're starting the vows. Greg starts with the Ah Gregory Lunsford, and then we just see. Heavenly and Damon sneaking in from the back. Word on the street is that production strong-armed and said she has to be here. Yeah. And got her in. Yeah. Well, also, I was more confused of, like, when they got to the reception, like, how she got a chair there. They always have extras. Uh, They always have, like, an extra, depending on the size, there's a certain percentage over Mm. that you make for people showing up unannounced or you know and then somebody's always going to not show up so there's always like a margin of error that's true so uh toya goes in a commercial that girl's like a little snake she slithered her way on in and i i i think this was editing but i love that she sits down and there's like greg and sweet dear trying to focus and we just hear the like laugh in the background it's like a horror film like in the middle of the night you're trying to go to sleep and you hear like a baby crying in the other room you're like i ain't got no baby (laughs) it was very much that vibe but they get through the wedding they say their vows they kiss they're officially married very sweet um very sweet tea yeah uh damon in his confessional basically talks about like you know i'm just happy that i got there in time to see the vows and then heavenly going 
But she went by quick, didn't it? I mean, maybe they got like a discount or something for like a quick wedding. And Damon goes, don't say that, babe. And Evan <laughs> goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love the way that she'll just like drop that shade and just be like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oop. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> oh, it just slip out. <laughs> They then go to the reception. They're having fun. I love the. They get in the 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 spinning camera like selfie thing where you get in the middle and the camera like spins around you. I love those. Those are fun. But then they knock it over because the the like way crowding Jack, everybody. That little platform that you have to stand on for that is like yeah this wide. It's not it's that like big. Two feet wide, and they were cramming like eight people on there. And, and Jackie was like, yeah, "You got all the big booty girls in there." <laughs> Um, Heavenly's basically like explaining to all them like, yeah. So basically I showed him the invitation that like I literally got by email and they were like, you, they were, they took you off the list yesterday. It's like, (laughs) this is some bullshit, (laughs) like fucked up. And then Heavenly goes, she should be mad at her pointing at Phaedra and Phaedra goes, why would she be mad at me? (laughs) And they're all looking at her like, girl, really? Phaedra is like the queen of like being incredulous at the questioning of her when she does some insane shit. She commits. She commits to the bit. And then Simone laying out her confessional. Phaedra would not want us bringing Apollo's girlfriend, wife, or side chick to her party. It's like bringing muddy water to a tea party. And then I remembered, oh, wait, this is actually really fucked up on Phaedra's part. Because remember how pissed she was when Apollo's girlfriend happened to show up at that OLG party and then fully blamed Candy for it. Yep. Even though she wasn't on the guest list, she wasn't invited, she just showed up. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Phaedra. Like, no no one's buying this. Um, Quad, oh, they're like, you know, talking more about like, yeah, I just don't think like Quad wanted, they wanted, that Sweet Tea wanted Quad, like brought into the conversation in terms of her marriage. And then we cut to what Quad is doing during this, which is she's at her house and there's this full scene of her getting a bubble bath like set up. The producer asked like, so today is uh, Sweet Tea and Gregory's marriage. What are your thoughts? And she goes, Today's their wedding. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) She is committed to the bit, too. She's like, oh, I am unbothered. I wish all the happiness to the the Lunsfords. And, uh, like, one of the only times where I thought, like, a bathroom scene on, like, a Bravo show is, like, really worked. Yeah. Because it really was just more of a fuck you moment than anything. Uh Um, It was nice. Um, They're all eating, and some people are dancing. And Toya's like, who's that girl over there? And Eugene goes... Oh my god, that's the girl from the strip club. <laughs> and I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" And they show the flashback sort of thing, and then it cuts back to Eugene going, "I'm just playing." I'm just playing. <laughs> I was like, "You can't play like that, Eugene." I love that man. <laughs> I, I really believed it for a second. Um, they all get on the dance floor and start dancing, and then Heavenly, oh my, Heavenly should have let it die, but of course she can. She then goes up to Sweet Tea while they're all on the dance floor, and Heavenly's just like, "Don't be like that." And Sweet Tea goes, "I'm gonna whoop your ass." <laughs> Like Sweet Tea, I I give credit to Sweet Tea for keeping her cool in this moment for the most part. Like being like this woman who literally just crashed your fucking wedding. And, yeah. And uh, she's having she's like, this came out nice. Don't make it mad. And and Sweet Tea goes, I'm mad at you. And Heavenly goes, Why? I didn't do nothing. <laughs> Bitch. It's so uh, I was like, Oh, Heavenly, move move to the other side dance floor, please, please. Go. Quickly, because then Sweet Tea and her confessor goes, sit your ass over there and eat that beef Wellington before I put my foot up your ass. (laughs) 
Oh god! But it's a be- it's a beautiful party. Uh, Sweet tea looked great. It was a fun like the actual like wedding portion. I thought was really fun and sort of like lively and just... it was a beautiful wedding. Yeah, really well done. Beautiful gown. Johnny did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> All that working with candy. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, I can't believe he was still there. Um, but that uh, was uh, Married to Medicine for the week. Uh, really, really great episode. Like I, like we said, Married to Medicine just killing it on all fronts. All right, babe. Let's get into these uh, tops and bottoms. Uh, we got a short list to pick from this week. We got just Potomac and Married to Medicine. What are you thinking, babe? I mean, it's one side's clearly a top and one side's clearly a bottom, too, as well. So. Uh, honestly. Um, I will start with my bottom. I'm going to give it to... I. I, I I'm going to give it to Robin. I feel like I've given her bottom a lot of times, but I think rightfully so. That she has in. earned it. She's earned it. And I'm just like, we, I ranted already and I've said what I need to say, but I'm just like, I don't see her value on this show. Like genuinely. Yeah. I don't see what she contributes. I don't see the value of having her there. And if she's so committed that her life is so boring and no one needs to talk about her, then she doesn't need to be here. Yeah. And like, she's just another cog added into this mess of a show right now. So I really could do with less of her. Um, I just, I, yeah, I just don't see the value in her being there. Um, that plain and simple, um, my top, I'm going to go and of course go to Mary to medicine, but I'm going to give it to heavenly. I, I just, Ooh. heavenly is just like undoubtedly one of my favorite reality stars of all oh, time yeah. beyond, beyond that. But like, she really, I think makes me laugh more times than not. Like she's just like, you know continually bringing that hilarious side of things um and and like the drama with the whole wedding stuff and the way she just rebounded it made it funny throughout like she didn't like go like intense with it and like sort of but still made it entertaining and like i just love the way she the way we kind of talked about like how she's able to sort of like be this sort of messy and shady like plot device while never you know, you never really being upset with her over, I think is such a amazing sweet spot that very few people in reality TV can get to. I, I think the closest, the only other person I can think of like that is Tiffany Pollard. Yeah. Like she, where you just like find it hilarious. You can't be time. mad at them. There's yeah. no way to be mad about it. Um, I, I do like to believe that the laugh at the wedding was real. <laughs> yeah. I think it probably wasn't. But I want to believe that it was. Yeah, because you could. Because it's, so it. it's so heavenly. Because it's so heavenly to sit down and go, <laughs> just to make sure, make sure that bitch knew you were there uh-huh. in case she didn't see you walk in. So good. Um, what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms for the week? Um, my bottom for the week is also going to come from Potomac. Um, and Shocker. That's, <laughs> yeah. The bottom flop of a show gets all the bottoms for the week. Um, and that's going to be NECA. It's just, it's really disappointing the way she's coming up. Like I, we knew this drama was coming, yeah. but we had really decided to give her the benefit of the doubt, especially seeing the way that it was advertised beforehand, that it was kind of spurred on by, uh, Ashley and all of that. But the more this unfolds, the more I feel like Ashley is an not an instigator, but an aggravator after the fact. Yeah. And it just, as much as that sucks, that's Ashley, right? We knew that was going to be Ashley. That's what she does every season. Uh, it's what she's good at. It's the reason she's still on the show. Um, these attacks from NECA are nasty. And they're underhanded. And they are, like, beyond the pale. Yeah. Of what 
we should be doing on reality television. Um, especially amongst black women. Like I will say it like until I'm blue in the face. Um, black women are the most disrespected demographic in this country. Yep. And constantly underestimated, constantly undervalued. And for, it's one thing to have petty squabbles. Fine. That's why we're watching, right? It's reality television. I mean, obviously there's going to be petty squabbles, but to go beyond that, and your first move out of the gate is to make such a low-down, nasty, awful accusation. Two of them. Yeah. That just... that That's gross to me. Like, that just... I, I don't know that she comes back from this. Yeah, I can't see it, personally. Um, My top for, for the week, though, is someone... Who did do something low down and nasty? <laughs> got kicked off of her original show for it, and is now back on our television screens and completely forgiven by everyone but Candy, rightfully so. And that is Phaedra Parks. Any anything can happen. <laughs> uh, anything can happen, especially if we are to believe the rumors that Nini has fixed her problems with. Anyway, uh, maybe coming back to Atlanta. Oh, right, right, right. Um, Anyway, um, so we're talking about Phaedra right now, though, not rumors for next season of <laughs> Atlanta. Sorry, got distracted. Um, Phaedra Parks, like, I love this bitch. She, nobody buys her own bullshit like right. Phaedra Parks. I think, yeah. I think, I fully believe her first season of Atlanta, she had lied so much about the timeline of the pregnancy that she believed it. She believed that child was born at seven months. <laughs> it just happened. It just happened that way, which is, I mean, it happens. Seven months is like within viability. So technically he could have been two months preemie. But what I'm saying is that child was that term. <laughs> I'm just saying, but like, look, she buys her own bullshit and sells it to other people like she fully believes it. Right. That woman is a walking infomercial. I love her. Like, nobody... Like, I, I say this all the time. You have to completely believe your bit. Mm. You have to be so immersed into your bullshit that no one can question you on it. Like, there's no avenue in which they can come at you where you don't have an answer yeah and that is phaedra parks like she could tell you that the sky is purple and she could tell you that grass is pink and she will swear it until the day she dies she will never back down from that lie even though everyone around can see that that's not true doesn't matter like, bitch will sell us anything, and we will gobble it up because it's iconic. Um, yeah, Phaedra Parks. I'm so glad she's back on our television screens. We have missed her for far too long. Um, we were kind of hoping she would end up on Dubai, but I think this was a better option. Yeah, I agree. I think this was a much better option. Um, 
And I am so excited to see what mess she causes on this show this season. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.